Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, how to prepare for a meeting. Here we go. It's amazing to me that we're actually going to, well, I shouldn't say amazing to me, but it is disconcerting a little bit that we have to talk about preparing for meetings. People talk to us all the time about the number of meetings they go to, and they complain about it, but you would think given the number of meetings we go to every single day, we would be doing this terribly well. This is almost the exact opposite of the Christmas rule, right? Which the Christmas rule being we only do things, do it once a year, so we're pretty poor at it. Right. This is something we do, according to, to many of our listeners, we do all day long, every single day, for every day of the year, so we yeah. ought to be good at it. This is one of those places where managed tools and career tools, we're counterintuitive. Actually, it's not really counterintuitive. We're just countercultural. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, they felt they had too many directs. I want to say, actually, it was at our London conference, maybe one of the other conferences, and I was surprised. They said, well, I have 20 directs, and so I, I can't do one-on-one per week for everybody. I said, well, actually, you can. I've had as many 23. But that said, our general rule is about 15 before you go to once every two weeks. And and I said, so I recommend that you go to once every two weeks for everybody. And this other person chimed in and said, well, no, Mark, that's wrong. You're telling him wrong. He should change his structure. You, you know, he should get the company to change him and give him team leads or something so the structures are right. I said, look, this is, you know, this is not ideal world career tools. This is real world career tools and manager tools. And the fact is most managers can't change the structure of their team. Some can, uh, many more can probably than think they can, but I would be willing to bet that less than 20% and almost 1% or less of frontline managers can actually change the structure of who reports to them. Because essentially what they're doing is creating other managers, right? They can't do that. And this person was very upset with me that I was suggesting something that I knew could work as opposed to what was, quote, the right solution when, in fact, I didn't know that many managers who could engage in the right solution. Same thing is true with meetings. People complain about the meetings they're in, and then we suggest to you, okay, get prepared for your meetings, be efficient and effective in your meetings, and you will get a lot more out of meetings. You'll move a lot faster than everybody else, and it'll benefit you. And people get upset at us and say, no, you should move to abolish meetings. I said, well, no offense, but you know, there have been a lot of people bigger than us to try that. It ain't happening, it right? Happened. It's not happening. You are not going to abolish meetings. In fact, as much money as companies pay to have people housed in the same building, implying that proximity matters, by definition, face-to-face communication matters, you're going to have meetings. Meetings will never go away. There are people who say, oh, I love telepresence and it's a fabulous technology. And yet still, people want to meet face-to-face throughout the day. So this is a case where we recommend you spend a little bit more time and you become much more effective on the realistic world that we live in, which is most people are meeting out, as they like to say. So, yeah, yep, agree. And the fact is you go to meetings all the time. So even if you're not good at preparing now, you follow this advice, you'll have plenty of time to practice it. Practice, practice, practice. And you're going to get really good really fast. So So four key recommendations we're going to make today. Number one, you've got to get all the available information for the meeting. And unless those of you who are high D's and high I's go, oh, I don't want to prepare. I don't want to get ready. It's going to take a few minutes. There's not that much of available information 99% of the time. So this doesn't take that long. But you ought to dot your I's and cross your T's. It'll take two minutes and it'll save you 15 to 20 minutes in the meeting. 
or in those meetings that you miss or are late or, or uh, unprepared for. Number two, and, and numbers two and three are really the crux of this meeting. The theme, uh, I'm sorry, the, the crux of this recommendation, the theme, underlying theme of this recommendation we've got on preparing for meetings is simple. We want professionals who are listening to change their approach from attending to contributing at meetings rather than attending a meeting where you're essentially allowing the meeting to happen around you and you're filling a spot and you're staying out of trouble. We're suggesting you ought to decide what you want to do and you ought to get that done. And that's the difference between attending and contributing or participating. Number two, our second point is know what you want to achieve. Decide what the meeting's purpose is for you. And if the meeting has no purpose, don't go. And then the point number three, work out exactly how and what your contribution will be. And then look, Number four, it sounds very simplistic, very pedantic, but folks, even you high Ds, high Is, put some time on your calendar to do the necessary pre-work, even if it's just five minutes. It, being prepared, being ready uh, is a more effective way to go through all the meetings that you're going to have to go through because you can't change them. Exactly. Good. Okay. So first point, get all the available information. Well, you know, this is like any other activity. Without information, it's impossible for you to plan we can't prepare our contribution, as you so stated, um, and we can't use our time effectively. Meetings are no different than any other activity. Now, in a perfect world, in my world, in my manager tools world, <laughs> everyone would follow the manager tools effective meeting protocol, and we wouldn't have to hunt down information about meetings. But unfortunately, we don't live in Mike's perfect manager tools world, yeah. and so very often, there's no agenda. There's no attendee list circulated for the meeting. We don't know who's going to be there. We really have little other clue other than maybe a subject of an email right. that, that went out. And, you know, folks, we're about to recommend you hunt down the agenda and the attendee list. Okay? It is normal professional behavior, reasonable beginner level professional behavior to have an agenda, to have an attendee list. Just so you know, if you're going to meetings and there is no agenda and there is no attendee list, actually very few meetings don't have attendee lists and very few meetings do have agendas. So there's probably an agenda list or attendee list out there if there's not an agenda. But even though very few do, that doesn't mean that the standard has become the professional standard because the professional standard requires both. Um, but what, what's interesting about this is you might be thinking, well, this is extra work and so on. Lest you go down that path, I, I have one recommendation for you. This could easily be an executive tools cast because this is how executives plan their days. They prepare for meetings they're attending. They know who is coming. In fact, it's not unusual for one executive to say, are you going to the meeting? And the other executive goes, who's coming? Who's invited? That matters. It matters in terms of what their goal might be, whether they'll attend and what they expect to get out of the meeting and whether or not they need to avoid it because of some other problem that might exist. Yes, those kind of things happen. And the fact that you are unprepared for meetings now doesn't mean that having more meetings for which you are unprepared will make you good as an executive if you get promoted and get even more meetings than you have now. Executives prepare for meetings. They know what they're going to say. They know who they're going to say it to. They go to the right things in advance, go to the right people in advance to get the right things done and so on. But look, let me just go back. So my point there is this is executive behavior. If you're dismissing this, you're missing the point. This is how executives live. It's part of being a professional executive, okay? Now, it is reasonable for you to expect that if you're asked to attend a meeting, 
the agenda and attendee list exists somewhere and will be shared with you in advance. Okay. Now, we're not suggesting you go hit somebody over the head and say, you owe this to me. Although, frankly, for most of us, please, folks, the attendee list is on the email that you got because it'll show, you know, who the email went out to. Okay. But lacking that, if it's not included in the invite, go by the cube or go by the office of the person who requested the meeting and just be polite and say, hey, thanks for inviting me to the project meeting just so I can be prepared. What do you want to cover to this meeting and what do you need from me? Okay. You could do that by email. We do recommend calling or visiting because it gives you an opportunity to have a discussion, not just about the agenda, but also about the attendees. And hopefully you can ask them, which is not necessarily in in the agenda or the attendee list, although true agendas generally do have the purpose of the, the meeting included. But you can ask them what they hope to achieve and what input they need from you. It's much easier to make that a single conversation than a series of back and forth emails. Yeah. And if you and if you put uh, meetings together and you and you've had to run the meeting, it is infinitely better and it feels just it's a load off of someone's shoulders. Oh, but people you, aren't I know what you're going to say, but people aren't thinking that, right? They're thinking I don't want to go pester the meeting planner. I don't want to go pe- pester the meeting requester, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the thing. Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't want he doesn't want to talk to me. He's too busy, he's too busy, he's too busy. And yet you and I are both thinking Exactly what you're going to say, which is, I'm sorry, interrupted. Go ahead. Yeah, I so say he's, you know, he or she is stressed about putting on this meeting. They don't feel they have a lot, you know, a lot of support. Right. Generally, often, I or power, say, or yeah. power, right? And and so somebody come up to them in this polite, friendly tone, and kind of, you know, kind of intimate, hey, look at, I, I want your meeting to be a success. I'm only asking you these questions because I want to know what I can do to help. Yeah. You know, that's just a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Exactly. Look, if you're thinking, oh, well, I'm going to meetings that my boss is calling or somebody else is calling. If the person who called the meeting is more senior than you, you may not want to ask them directly. And we respect that. Yeah. Part of it. You wouldn't want to imply that they're not running their meetings effectively. It's probably not a great. Yeah. And and frankly, sometimes if you're going two levels up, they don't want to tell you everything they're going to include in the meeting. But regardless, asking someone else other than them is completely reasonable. You can ask their assistant. You can ask previous attendees if there have been regular meetings that you're now joining. You could even ask your boss if it's uh, if the person is, again, even higher levels, if you're a skip to them. You can say, hey, how does, how does he or she run meetings and what is the purpose of this meeting and what do we hope to get out of it and so on. And, and by the way, don't be satisfied with, well, we're just going to get an update, okay? Because generally speaking, there's something a layer deeper that's going on. And often when it comes to learning everything in today's projected uh, world where everything seems to be a project and there are timelines and deadlines and so on, I bet you for virtually every meeting you attend, there is some web-based or electronic depository of documents about reporting and status and timelines and deliverables and deadlines. And knowing that stuff before the meeting, even if you didn't prepare the report, will help you be effective in the meeting later. So make sure you get all the available information, not just agenda, not just attendees, not just invitees, but also supporting materials. And generally speaking, they're not going to be that hard to find. Right. Okay, so once you have all that information, I'm surprised by the number of people who don't ask the simple question of, okay, what do I want to achieve? 
at the meeting. I completely agree. I think, you know, I, I called it attendee versus contribution, but really it's almost passive versus active, right? You go into the meeting, you're invited to the meeting, go into the meeting. Everybody hates the meeting. They go in and they literally define themselves as an attendee, right? I'm here. While at the same time, when they run meetings, they want people coming ready to brief, ready to question, ready to update, yep. ready to ready to commit, ready to deliver, all those kind of things. And and we literally sit across almost as if two sides of the, of the table. One side is the attendees, all passive, and the other side is the meeting planner, very active. But if the meeting planner doesn't have an agenda, right, strike one, and it's not clear what the purpose is, strike two, it's really hard. All these passive people sitting across from you, you're just not going to get anything done. So... You're totally right. You have to set a standard. What do I want to achieve out of the meeting? And if you ask that question, you have a chance to go from passive to active. Well, you would think people would ask this question. Um, we get told all the time how much time people spend in meetings. So if you're spending three quarters of your day, at least, according to what people tell us, right. in meetings, then you know this is work, right? And that's one of the fundamental questions you have to ask. You have to ask yourself about work. What do I want to achieve today at work? Well, if three quarters right. of your time is in meetings. Well, that question applies. Exactly. And now, look, there are two ways you can look at this. For some of you, you're thinking, well, I'm just an attendee. Okay, that's part of the problem. But let, let's go to the other extreme. If you have a significant role in the meeting, if you have a proposal to make, or if you have a decision to get, if you're if you're the briefer, and if you do, please, please, please listen to our pre-wire podcast, right? It's easy in those situations to work out what you want to achieve. But if you're the most junior person in the room, or it's a standing meeting, maybe you don't have a lot of input, but you're required to listen, finding a goal for you during that meeting can be harder. I will say it can be harder, but you can do it. And it starts by asking yourself, what am I supposed to do in this meeting? If you're just supposed to attend, you're wrong. That the you saying I'm supposed to attend, that's not enough. If your boss says, I want you to attend this meeting, that's not what she means. What she means is, I want you to go represent us. And representation means listening and taking detailed notes that are valuable to the boss. And secondly, potentially defending or supporting or vocalizing your boss or somebody else's position on something. Now, it may be that you can't support it or vocalize it precisely, but you can stand up and say, look, I feel like that's my responsibility. I'm here for my boss. I can't honestly say I have the answer to it, but I want you to know I'll get back to you. And that may be very well the placeholder that your boss would expect you to, to serve or expect you to do when in fact... They sent you the meeting knowing you can't do everything, but they also know they need somebody to say that in the meeting. And if you don't say that because you're passive, because you're just an attendee, um, because you're not trying to contribute, then you're letting your boss down and you're not achieving what he or she wants you to achieve. Now, look, you can make it as simple as uh, my goal is going to be, you could say, I want to take notes on how the meeting is run. You could watch how your boss or somebody else handles presenting or answering questions. You can literally learn a lot in the meeting by watching how others work. And that can be your goal if you haven't been able to figure out how to change from attendee to contributor, okay? Look, Wendy and Maggie often attend client calls with Mike and I in the background to take notes on actions and deliverables. 
If you ask them, they will tell you. They do not contribute verbally to the calls, but they learn a lot from the way Mike and I talk to clients, and they can use that to support us in terms of our client work operationally or or in terms of delivery and content and ideas and so on. Yeah. Now, it's, it's not enough to simply determine what you want to achieve, right? Because there's this other part of it. You talked about it as, as contribution. You know, you have to work out what your contribution is going to be. What are you going to give to the meeting? How are people going to remember you? And look, folks, people do remember you, even if you don't open your mouth. How many meetings have we been to? We're sitting around a table with a bunch of executives, and we're, ta- we're doing kind of an after-action report afterwards, kind of talking about the meeting, what happened. And we'll often go like, do you see that guy over there? Not saying anything. He didn't, he didn't say a thing. Right. Right? I mean, yeah. that sticks out. Yeah, to me, that's a case of somebody missing that they are now in a meeting that's being professionally run and managed, and they are being they they go through most of their meetings attendee and passive, and they didn't catch on that this is a different type of meeting. We are always surprised, and in our business, we ought not to be surprised too often. But we're nevertheless, we're always surprised when we're places and we're talking about hot washes, for instance. At the end of the day, let's talk about how things go, how things went today, and people are stunned that we learn that in the military and that it is not unusual for the most junior person, junior leader, junior sergeant or lieutenant or person in a unit to speak up. It has a professional obligation to speak up, even in fact, if he is, no offense, throwing some senior person underneath the bus, right? Saying, well, we missed this. We should have scouted this and we didn't. Because of that, we lost this platoon or we lost a bunch of equipment or what have you. And if they're aware of it and they don't speak up, and it's found out later that they were aware of it and didn't speak up, they'll get a much harsher punishment, if you will, than they would from the boss for speaking up during it. And and that's not to say they would get punished for it, but but they'll get in trouble after the fact for not, not speaking up, right? And yet here we've got professionals making tons of money and very successful and having hundreds of people working for them and literally coming into meetings and sitting there passively and not contributing and thinking. And frankly, there are some of them, the most cynical thing I can say about this, they're thinking... That was a completely successful meeting. I went to the meeting. I said nothing. I own nothing. And I didn't upset anybody. Literally, we define success as the absence of anything happening. Right? Well, he or she could have achieved that by simply staying yeah, home that day. Right, exactly. Right. And then they wouldn't complain about being busy so right, much. There you go. Yeah, so look, in a lot of cases, you're going to have a role, okay? And as Mike says, look, we hope you're not going to meetings when you're completely superfluous. That doesn't make any sense. Your role might be to give an update. It might be to contribute ideas, to present a proposal, or to take notes. Whatever it is, make sure you're clear about it and how you're going to go about it. I mentioned before about pre-wiring. Even if you're not presenting a proposal, even if you're not expecting a decision to be made on that proposal, conferring with the person who convened the meeting and other attendees about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it ahead of the meeting increases the likelihood that you're going to be successful in the meeting. It's amazing to me the number of people who go and they, they feel like they have to go to the meeting. Okay, we could, we could argue about that here, but let's, let's not. They really haven't defined a role for themselves. And they sit there and a particular proposal is being discussed. And the executive at the head of the table then leans, leans over to John and says, Hey, John, what do you think? Yeah. And they're hosed. And they're hosed. And they're completely <laughs> gone. Right? They're, they are so attendee, so passive in their head. Not professional, not contributing, not a contributor to the meeting. You know, just literally wasted space, wasted oxygen, if you will. And sometimes meetings need all the oxygen they can get. 
and they expose themselves in that moment. And they know that they're exposed. Oh, absolutely. And they try to backpedal and they just say, well, you know. And then they, they talk like sportscasters on, or, or, or newscasters on TV um, when they're live on the air. They say 500 words and only 10 of them are relevant. And please, folks, don't write me emails and tell me that that's true for me as well. I know it. Okay. Yeah, they literally say a lot of words and don't really mean anything, hoping to, you know, sort of a, a verbal meringue, if you will, of I said a lot when the big boss yeah. asked my opinion. So if you know who's going to be there, right, you kind of know what their hot buttons are. So you, if you're smart, you'll do some research, kind of know where those people sit on the various issues. I know I'm going too far here. I'm asking people to do too much work. But if you know what the agenda, these are five topics being discussed. You know who's around the table. You can find out what their, their positions are. And... Be prepared when you're asked your opinion, how you're going to answer that. And you're going to want to answer that knowing the positions yeah. of people around the table. Right? Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a little bit like pre-wiring, right? A you, little bit. You definitely want to understand that. I, I, let me make another suggestion. There are probably some people listening right now who are busy, particularly if, they're, if they've been in their careers for five or 10 years and they're fully swamped and they've got so many meetings and everything else. I want to direct this to the, to the younger listeners, those who've been in their careers only perhaps a couple of two or three years. And I want to suggest something a little bit clever. Some of you may not like this. I'm going to suggest you mid-level folks and you more senior-level folks, you can just turn off this cast, okay? This, this next comment is for those of you who are younger, okay? You might be thinking, the mid-level managers are all thinking, I don't, I can't do what Mark and Mike are saying. Too busy, too busy. And I'm thinking in my head the old phrase, how are you going to have time to do it over again if you don't have enough time to do it right the first time, right? Five more minutes spent on every meeting will get you a huge increase in your productivity, your efficiency, and your effectiveness. Okay. But, but there are managers who will say, there are professionals who say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can do it. Fine. You young people, you haven't reached that point yet. Try this. Get so good at it, you can do it in your sleep the way any other process, any other new skill you learn in the beginning, it's hard. It takes 50 minutes to get ready. But pretty soon after a year of going to regular meetings, you're going to know what to do, what to look for, how to look for it, and how to get the most out of the meetings that you attend in five minutes or less. You're going to make it second nature, right? You're going to go from unconscious incompetence to unconscious competence where you're so good at meetings you don't even have to think about it so for those of you who are younger this can be a competitive advantage and once you learn it right now you have the time and a year from now it won't take you any more time than all those other people who are spinning their wheels and complaining because they won't change their behavior right, right. so if you're a small cog in the in the wheel right you don't have a defined role or your your defined role only happens during a very small subset of the meeting time then People could be asking, well, what can my contribution be for the remainder of the meeting, right? It's it's simple. Right. Maybe you have a friend or a colleague who's making a proposal. Well, maybe he or she needs your support, right? Maybe there's a point in the meeting where in the agenda there's going to be a bunch, people are going to brainstorm some ideas. Well, literally, you could come up with some ideas before right. the meeting and be prepared to give them, Right. Yeah, think about you being the one having given the status update and someone else emailing you say, hey, I know you're giving the status update. By the way, thought you'd want to know what our status is. I know this bumps up against some of your stuff. People would be like, my gosh, who is this person? Yeah. This is fabulous, right? So if you're not the one giving the status update, make sure when you see that person X is giving a status update, think to yourself, for my area, for my contribution, how could I help him give his status update? And maybe I send a short email telling him what our status is so he'll know how to vet his against ours, right? Yeah. So you may, somebody might be giving a status report on a project of which you have a small part somewhere, 
and you might actually be able to influence how they talk about your contributions at the status meeting. Hmm. Yeah, we hmm. we actually had. We, I think I kind of like that. Uh, um, when you and I worked together, we actually had a there was a phrase called dropping a dime. It go, goes back to the old days where somebody would tell a fib or tell you know tell uh, stories out of school or essentially uh, um, get somebody in trouble. And dropping a dime was putting a dime in in, in a uh, telephone and then calling the police and saying somebody's doing something bad. And dropping a dime on a fellow associate or professional was not telling them in advance that you were going to bomb, essentially say something negative about them in the meeting. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Captain Lynch has failed to turn in his officer efficiency report or something like that. And all it would have taken was a little bit of pre-wire for Captain Lynch for him to know I better get that done in advance, right? So you don't drop dimes on people. You let people know in advance, this is what I'm going to say. Do you care to contribute? Is there anything I should be changing? Right. And you make friends. You make more friends and less enemies by doing a little pre-work in advance of the meeting. Okay. And look, write down somewhere what your contributions are going to be. And it's easy to think of ideas or I got to do that when the time comes and then forget them when you go to the meeting. You know, there's a theory that says if you make a grocery list and then go to the store without it, you're still more likely to remember to get everything you need than if you never made the list. And where would you write this thing down? You'd write it down in, in the meeting announcement on your calendar. And that way it'll be right there on your iPhone, on your BlackBerry, on your whatever device you have on your smartphone. It'll be right there in your calendar, which is surely on your phone nowadays. And you can refer to that or to the pre-printed agenda. Or quite frankly, in that case, you could probably copy and paste the agenda out of an email if you're lucky enough to get one right into the meeting notes on Outlook or on Lotus Notes or what have you, just to make it easier to write things down and then figure out what your contribution is going to be. Yeah. Write it down or you will forget. Now, we're not suggesting a lot of work here. Literally, we're talking five or 10 minutes. But given how busy we are, I know everybody feels they're busy, and you are. Well, so I'll just grant you that. The only way this happens is if you put the time to do the pre-work on your calendar. Yeah. It's work just like any other work that you do, and the most important stuff you put on your calendar. So put the five or 10 or 15 minutes even on your calendar to do this work. Yeah, I think, um, interesting, you say people are busy. Yeah, you know, busy, unfortunately, busy used to be value neutral. It was just a statement of level of activity. Now, busy has a positive value associated with it. Hmm. The word has changed a little bit. It's a bit like people saying they're nauseous. Oh, I'm nauseous. It sounds better than saying nauseated. Those people who say I'm nauseous don't realize how wrong they are because nauseous means you cause other people to become ill. I I know some people like that, frankly. (laughs) I'm nauseated means I am sick to my stomach. I'm nauseous means I cause other people to be sick. It's one of those things the word is sort of morphed and now in in corporate vernacular, busy is actually a good thing. And and partially that's because more senior people have more to do and they, generally speaking, work longer hours and so on. That aside, if you think you're busy and you think that's a defense, recognize that any positive association you have with the word busy is inherently wrong. Busy is a measure of activity, but if you're running in the wrong direction, being busy is a really bad thing. You have to have some value context in order for busy to show itself as being good or bad. And frankly, in most managers, in most professionals' cases today, that I see busy is bad, believe it or not. Um, So don't try to defend yourself in this case by saying you're busy. Now, look, 
as Mike says, you only need five to 10 minutes. If you don't schedule the time and a buzzer doesn't go off, an alarm doesn't go off, you begin reacting to every crisis, you get email, whatever, you're going to do some phone calls before the meeting, and suddenly three minutes before the meeting starts, you remember you've got something else to do or you're not ready for the meeting. So take five or 10 minutes, put it on your calendar and leave a previous meeting early if you need to, to get ready or schedule the time in the morning, have a half an hour at your desk in the morning and prepare for each of your meetings. Now you may have to update it because in today's operational tempo, it would not be unusual. The morning meetings changes cause changes in the afternoon meeting. But that said, um, if you're coming in early, you're taking a look at your email and going through your email really, really quickly. First thing in the morning, you could also prepare for all your meetings in five or 10 minutes and be done with it in 30 30 minutes, a half an hour during the time when most people are wandering around, kind of getting into the flow of things, you could actually be getting prepared to have an effective day as opposed to just a busy day. And look, you rarely get less than eight hours notice of a meeting. Often it's a week away or more, and you think you'll fit in the preparation, but you don't. Put some time aside, work on your priorities rather than what is urgent, and suddenly you'll discover you have less urgent things to work on. What I mean by that is less of your day will be eaten up by urgent things if you schedule some time now to work on those things that are priorities. Working on priorities, scheduling your time, and then working on what you say you're going to do, knowing thy time, as Peter Drucker would say, is a highly successful career habit. It's as simple as that. It's the second paragraph of a second chapter, I'm sorry, of the effective executive, the best business book that's ever been read. And I think the first chapter is something like uh, effectiveness can be learned, right? And then the next chapter, chapter two is know thy time, meaning the most important thing an executive does is know thy time. So good. So pretty simple. Get all the available information about the meeting, know what you want to achieve. Yep. Work out what your contributions are going to be. And those that two is, together. It's all about passiveness the, versus contribution. That's it. Passive versus active, right? And then put some time on your calendar to do the pre-work. Yeah. So, Look, so, meetings happen all the time. They're ubiquitous. They're poorly executed. We get that, right? You can't always influence the way the meetings run. We get that. You can always change the way you approach it. Be well prepared. Increase your contribution. Reduce your busyness and increase your effectiveness all at the same time. That's the kind of thing that makes difference in careers. In small little bits, but over over time, it's unassailable and you win. Yeah. I remember one time I went to a meeting. It was a god-awful waste of time. And one person showed up at the meeting and she was absolutely prepared. And she rocked. And I yeah. decided right then and there, yeah. I was going to hire her. I'm going to be ready. Yeah. Yep. All right, my friend. We'll see you. Thanks, partner. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. Hope to see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.